Hello and welcome to another wonderful Friday on Speaking For Him. I'm Dan Van Zalen and here's your host, Andrew Gummison. Hello all, it's great to be with you and uh, thank you Dan for that introduction. Today we're going to talk about the start of a new series about our identity in Christ. Now I know a few weeks ago, or a few months ago now probably, we did ask the question, who am I? And then we followed that up with, who is Jesus? And who is Jesus took us like four or five episodes to get through, and it was by no means exhaustive because <laughs> Jesus is not exhaustible. I'm pretty he, sure we could spend an entire year trying to talk about it. Because he's everything Everything that's good is what he is. Uh, so I, I, began, I, I began to think about identity. I know we've talked a little bit about this on the podcast before, so some of this will be in some ways review, but identity continues to stick in my head as something that we need to uh, pursue our discussions on. So we're going to um, kind of, we had a launch uh, podcast already where we talked about the areas where we're going to go. And so this is the first one that we're going to focus in on. Um, and that is, I was created by Christ. So Dan's going to give us our quote of the day, and then uh, we'll do our typical format, which is I will read the point, Dan will read the verse, and then we will mutually discuss it. And incidentally, I would just say, if you have anything to add to any one of these podcasts, feel free to write us an email at andrew at speakingforhim.com. That's the number four. And that email address will, or the Contact info, my info will roll again at the end of the show. But I'm just letting you know we want as much input on these things as is possible. So, Dan, why don't you give us our quote of the day? Of course. And God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Genesis 1, 26 through 27. And I picked this verse because I really feel like it shows how man is the pinnacle of creation set aside from the animals. Science, a lot of times in the secular realm, will say that we are just the highest of the animal kingdom and refers to us as animals. Um, We're a big monkey. And... and but this verse clearly says we are distinct. We are made in the image of God. So we're going to look at some ways that underscore the fact that we are created uh, in God's image and unique. So the first one is, I am set apart. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy man, or a holy nation, rather, a particular people that ye should shew forth the praises of him that who hath called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. First Peter 2, verse 9. All right, so we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Now, when I started speaking for him, one of the reasons that I started it was because I wanted Christians, to encourage Christians, to walk closer with God. I, I felt like in so many ways... Often we ask this question, is it okay for a Christian to do such and such? And you can put any number of things like 
get a tattoo, wear a mini skirt, um, <laughs> or, or, uh, you know, drink alcohol, any number of things you can put in that sentence. And I'm not saying it's never right to ask those questions, but I think a lot of times when we camp on that, is it okay to do this mindset? We are focusing on the wrong thing. Instead of saying, is it okay to do this? We should more often than not ask ourselves, how does this activity in which I want to engage build my Christian life? And if it doesn't really build it, then we really need to evaluate it on that basis. And, you know, we could go around and around on some of these issues. I'm sure there are people who who socially drink who would line up to tell me why it's okay and and how <laughs> how they don't have a problem with it and they're able to keep it in check and that's that's all fine and good um but i also think that we are supposed to live in a way that says we know that we're not our own we're bought with a price and so balancing those things out and realizing that we are set apart that we are chosen that we are a royal priesthood you know that really puts things into perspective um, and in Proverbs 31, it said it's not for kings to drink strong drink. And no. the Bible says that we are priests and kings. So that's just just one thing to consider when considering some of these issues. Um, and as far as tattoos go, you know, I don't think they condemn you to hell at all. But I have never found anything that is permanent enough for me to consider uh, etching it on my skin for all of the rest of time. So... So there's that, but uh, for the topic of tattoos, you know, my mom's got a couple. She has one uh, that quotes the verse where God says, "You're beloved." Mm-hmm. But then both my parents, because um, they're advancing age and what it does to your joints and all, their rings don't fit properly, so they got their uh, marriage rings tattooed onto their ring fingers. Yeah, and and I guess what I was gonna say, I don't want to, I don't want to camp on this because I, I don't think they're wrong necessarily. But it's again, just the, uh, but uh, again, my main point is just what is your focus? And yeah. if you're asking the question, that means you're questioning it. So maybe the best thing to do is to avoid it, just because it leaves a question in your mind. Now, if it doesn't leave a question in your mind, that's that that's something that you have to deal with between you and God, mm-hmm. but. Um, if it does, that could be a good indication that God is trying to speak to you about it. Yep. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you shouldn't do it either. If you're questioning it. No, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that, but I just think that a lot of times our perspective and our emphasis needs to change for from, is it okay to do this to how will it help me? Indeed. So that is the main thing. Okay. I was created for him. For by him were all things created, that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Colossians 1 verse 16. It's it's a very comforting thing for me to know that I was created for God. For someone that believes that the world just came to be by chance, I don't even know how you live a life like that. Because sad life. Because you, you, every person, whether they want to admit it or not, one of the the chief yearnings of mankind is to find purpose. 
And as Christians, we understand that purpose is found in realizing that we have a creator. Uh, Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, remember now your creator in the days of your youth. And then in the end of Ecclesiastes, it says, um, it talks about fear God, um, you know, to walk, to walk righteously and fear God, my paraphrase. For this is the chief end of man, you know, and so it, it's very clearly and closely defined in the scriptures. But if you throw the scriptures out, you don't have a basis. And I think that is where a lot of our society is struggling because we don't have a basis. We don't have a moral compass. And so that's why so many people are trying to figure out who they are because because the Bible would tell them, but they're afraid to find out. We kind of threw out the baby with the bathwater there. We did indeed. We did indeed. If you own a dog, um, you have the the opportunity and the right and privilege to train that dog and to take care of that dog. And you put the dog on a leash because you know that it wouldn't be good for the dog to run into the street, <laughs> you know, because the dog would be dead and you would you would be sad and the dog would be no more. So the creator God has the same prerogative with us to show us what we should be doing and to teach us how to do it. But if we resist against that, we're only hurting ourselves. Well, as the uh, one nice praise and worship song says, he's a good, good father. And that means rules and boundaries because as human beings, we do need those. It, it is true. And I have to say that song has grown on me when it, when it first came out. I I wasn't real sure that I would like it, but that song has grown on me. I still think sometimes it gets oversaturated in our West Michigan radio market, but it this is, is a West good. Michigan. We are kind of like the happy, you know, go lucky Bible country. <laughs> yeah, we're we're definitely the Bible Belt of the Midwest, if I can use that term, because there's churches on every corner. So every corner, there's churches every five feet sometimes. <laughs> and I, you know, I don't know how, uh, how much they're, uh, how close they are following the scriptures. That's another discussion altogether. But there are a lot of churches here and a lot of Christian tradition, especially in the Dutch, uh, areas of like Holland and such. Well, yeah. um, I read once actually that West Michigan provides the majority of charitable giving in the United States by itself. I I have heard that. I have never looked it up to it's like see in the multi millions. But I wouldn't be surprised. We've we have the the uh we have the blessing of having had the Van Andel and DeVos families here in West Michigan and they've given so much to the community and I'm, I know a lot of that uh philanthropy comes out of their Christian faith. So that's yep. a blessing. Although uh, Coming back to uh, creating for him and what, how people think or how some people believe in the Big Bang and we can't really understand why they'd be happy with that. I was once told by a teacher of mine that uh, a mathematician who specializes in, in statistics and such forth calculated out the statistical probability of the Big Bang resulting in what is currently here. And it's like one times ten to the negative some rather large number. So it's many point it's point many many zeros one or or effectively zero. 
as far as math. Is yeah, concerned. that's that's pretty crazy. Uh, and and it's just so so basic too. Like if I put all the ingredients for an apple pie in in a bowl, uh-huh. and I walk away, you're not gonna get an. I'm apple not gonna pie. get an apple pie. <laughs> you're gonna get a uh, mess. Twenty four <laughs> hours later or a week later, I have to make the apple pie. Yep. When you look at a car, one of the first things you ask, you don't usually ask it out loud, but one of the first things you ask in your head is who made it. You look up the model. And then you you know information about who made it based on the model that the car is. Yep. And so if we understand this stuff about cars, Objects why is it so hard for us to realize that about us when we are much more complicated than an automobile? Because we're special. We sprung up out of the other. <gasps> <gasps> All right. Next. God has a purpose for me. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Ephesians 2.10 This is another really comforting scripture. When you realize, especially those days when you're not sure what's next, when you realize, hey, God created me to do work for him. And I think part of the way that he shows us is he puts passions in our hearts. Like, yep. I... You know, I, I've said this on multiple occasions, but I I think it was Alistair Begg, and it probably wasn't original with him, but he said this. He said, if you can do anything else but preach, do that. But if you have to preach, then you know that you're called to it. And I really resonate with that because that's really the way I feel. I, I look at things from a preacher's perspective, and I preach on Sunday mornings, and there's no greater thrill. And then being here in the in the studio... Recording these podcasts, I have the same mindset to get across a message that I believe with all my heart that God has given me. So uh-huh. I, you know, sometimes I wake up and I'm not sure what's next, but I know that God has a plan for it. And when you look back, when you take a few steps back every once in a while and you say, look at the path I went on. It didn't look the straightest when I was going on it. But now that I look back at it, I can see all the things that God was doing all the doors that he closed, you know. Um, sometimes we spend so much time trying to wrench open a doorknob for a door that's closed that we don't move on to the thing that God has for us next. So I think it's important for us to realize that yeah. and to take solace in the fact that we were created for specific things and that God will show us what he has for us. And the subject of work, I have to admit, I hate getting sick nowadays, not because, you know, I'm sick and tired and just feel blah, but because if it takes me more than a day to get better, I get so totally bored. Oh, <laughs> I that's, just want that's to true. Work. Well, and, and that's something true too to think about is the fact that sometimes we get in this mindset of, well, we have to work because of the fall, because man sinned. Yep. And yes, work is harder because man sinned, but we're but designed, God, but God created adam and eve to work it just changed a lot after after, after they sinned so yeah i i i'm you know, when i was a little kid and you know in school i couldn't understand why people would want to you know work other than to you know the benefits getting money getting medical insurance what what have you and then i started working and the first time i got sick i just i felt i found out oh yeah god made us to work and now i'm really bored because i can't do yeah. it <laughs> And next, God 
Okay, I am called to fear God and to do his will. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 13. Incidentally, this is the um, verse that I roughly paraphrased earlier. If I looked down on my sheet, I could have just quoted it to you (laughs) or rather read it to you. But again, isn't it interesting that this is the main criteria by which we can know how to do certain things. It's not that it's it's complicated in a certain way because the world tells us it's complicated. But when we think about it in simple terms, um, fearing God and having that be the impetus that makes us do things or makes us not do things, it really helps. Like I heard a story about a guy, a bull, a boy whose friend challenged him to throw a rock at a window. And he said, I can't do it because um, when I look at that window and I think about breaking it, I think about the hurt look that will be on my dad's face when he finds out that I did it. And I, And it was related to the way God is with us, that if we think about in advance, how is God going to to feel about what we did after we do it? That can help us to avoid it. And another thing that I thought of in this context is just the fact that when God says, don't do this, in a sense, he's saying, don't hurt yourself. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately, that's what God knows about sin is that it will hurt us. And let's let's be fair. When you think about humanity, you generally don't think about forethought. (laughs) No, you don't. I mean, we we, it's, it's so much easier to just do something and then later have regret. But as you, but that's part of, I think that's part of learning spiritual disciplines. That's why, um, the Bible says that the part of the fruit of the spirit is self-control. Yep. Because self-control means I don't have to do what my first initial reaction is. Um, I think it was Wally from the Wally show who said that a lot of times his first reaction is horrible and his second reaction is better. Because he's had time to think about it. So he tries to make sure that his first reaction stays internal and, and lean on his second reaction a lot more because it gives him an opportunity to not make a fool of himself. Yep. And uh, if I'm going to be honest, um, the fear of God and keep his commandments, it's a very easy thing to say to people, but it's a very hard thing to do. Well, like I said, it's, it's simple in concept, but it's complicated in practice just because. Yep. The world tells us that, well, the world tells us one of two things. First of all, it's not fun. And second of all, it's too simple because a lot of people think they have to work their way to God Mm -hmm. as if any of us would be able to do that. We really wouldn't, but we like to think so. And and, uh, a lot of us, like myself in particular, tend to forget that reading the Bible and finding out what God's commandments are and memorizing them makes this thing a whole lot simpler. It is. You, you can't put into practice something that you don't know, right? It's very hard to put into practice things that you're not very certain about. <laughs> exactly. So, and then the final point I want to talk about today, and perhaps one of the most exciting, is Jesus will be with us always. 
And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Matthew uh, twenty eight eighteen through twenty. Yeah, this is this is such a comforting thing because the context of this is that Jesus is going to heaven and leaving his disciples behind. But remember, he said to them, "I will not leave you comfortless, but I will give you a comforter, the Holy Spirit, which will guide you into all truth." And it was through the Holy Spirit that they were able to write all these books of the Bible for the New Testament and go to their deaths because they yeah, and because they weren't really thinking about. The significance of the events um, of the Passion Week or even of the resurrection until after it happened. Remember, yep. it says the women saw the empty tomb and talked to the angels. And then, and only then, did they remember Jesus' words. Even though he told them over and over again this was going to happen, they still had a hard time remembering his words. And the people on the road to Emmaus clearly conveyed that the women had already spoken to them, but they didn't believe the women. <laughs> so not only which unfortunately wasn't uncommon in that so day. not only did Je- no it wasn't but not only did jesus say three times i'm gonna rise again then the women said we we saw that he rose and they still didn't believe so when you think about and it's easy to think well they were so stubborn i would never be that stubborn but i'm pretty sure i would be that stubborn if i, I was think i'm more stubborn to be honest <laughs> so so that's that's just something to keep in mind but jesus is patient with us and he will be with you Till the end of the age. To- and, and to be fair to the disciples and the other followers, uh, right after they've lost Jesus, they were grieving pretty severely. Oh, absolutely. And so, uh, and it's a common thing, but when we're grieving and we're trying to protect, uh, an emotional wound or any wound or wound whatsoever, we tend to do the wrong thing. When we're grieving, we do not listen to good news. And we do not talk to people when we should talk to them. No, we don't. <laughs> and so we tend to get ourselves in trouble. Uh, like the poor followers on the road to Emmaus. <laughs> well, you know, and you know what's interesting is we always call Thomas doubting Thomas because he wasn't there and he didn't believe. And he said, until I put my hands into his, the holes on his hands and thrust my hand into his side and see his feet, I won't believe. But I tend to believe that any one of the other disciples would have had a similar response if they were the ones that weren't there. I guess the well, biggest, maybe not Peter. The, I guess the biggest reason that we call him a doubter is because of the detail that he went to. Because basically, he's like, unless I can touch him with my hands, then I won't believe. Uh, yeah. So I guess in a way that it played a that trick it, on that it goes to the next level. But it's interesting to realize that. When, when they went up to, um, to see Lazarus after he died, they're like, let's go with Jesus that we may die with him. That's what Thomas said. So he wasn't someone who in general lacked courage. It was just no. that he was having very human doubts and God met him where he was and Jesus met him where he was. So that was exciting. Well, and also I'm sure Thomas was worried about them being deceived. Because that wasn't on that wasn't not an uncommon thing for the government to do is trick people into saying something that could be construed as you know criminal and then punishing them because they didn't like them. 
that that's a good point because um because you know there was all this stuff about when Jesus did rise again and the soldiers did say something happened um the the religious leaders said lie and say the disciples stole the body lie and say that you fell asleep and perhaps it, it could have at least entered their mind that they were trying to draw the disciples out by making them believe this yeah but um at the same token they just flat out didn't believe even though he had told them three times and then the women told them and but i i also find it interesting don't you on that story that jesus doesn't walk right up to them and say i'm jesus no he lets them have a whole conversation there's like three post-resurrection appearances that jesus makes that are recorded in scripture where people don't realize who he is right away I always find that interesting that even among his faithful, he blinds their eyes first. He did it to him twice too. And, and has a conversation with them and then reveals himself. Cause like Mary Magdalene thought he was the gardener and the disciples at first just thought he was some guy walking along the beach until yeah. he said, let down your nets on the other side. And then somebody said, Oh, it's the Lord. You know, but they didn't realize right away. So I, I just find that very interesting the way the Lord works. Yep. He's, uh, well, people like to say he works in mysterious ways, but it's more like he likes to work in subtle ways. Absolutely. He really wants to get our attention. Yep. Um, cause you'll notice he has, says that he had a whole conversation with them about him and preached Christ to them from the Old Testament, all things concerning himself yep. and then he wasn't made known to them until he broke bread with them at the table and then he disappeared yeah. <laughs> showing his glorified body which is pretty uh that had to be somewhat disappointing for the disciples oh we just realized the lord is here wait now he's gone Dang yeah it! yeah that they didn't they had no idea how often or when he would appear next either no think about that one too well it, in in thomas's case um the story that goes along with him is he went out off towards India for uh, his discipleship journey. And if that's true that he died over in, in the India making disciples, um, instantly the area where he's said to have done so is now a very heavily Muslim area. But if he did do so, then make him the uh, most or the furthest journeying apostle with the exception of perhaps Paul, who just did a lot of traveling. <laughs> That is really interesting to think about. Um, uh, and it just shows how God redeemed these imperfect men and turned these cowards who ran from him when he died into like courageous speakers of the gospel. Yeah. So it would, let that be an encouragement to you that God can use you in spite of the mistakes that you've made in the past. I know he is using me in spite of mistakes that I've made and, uh, I just want the same thing for you. Well, I hope that you've enjoyed this discussion. As always, uh, my podcast is available free of charge for download on my website. So if you want to keep up with the series and share it with a friend, feel free to download it and share it with them. And um, if you would like to have the series on CD, uh, I can make arrangements to make a CD if I get some requests. So just putting that out there, and I hope you have a great weekend and keep serving the best of masters.
Rogers. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at speakingforhim. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review. 